Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Car Ride Conversations. This is a segment of my podcast that essentially takes place in my car. And until the end of this year's federal election in Canada, it will be exclusively dedicated to bringing you the different candidates from different parties that are running for office. Today, my guest is Neil Drapkin. He is the conservative candidate for the riding of Notre Dame de Grasse Westmount. And I hope you enjoy this conversation. I'm very, I'm very happy that uh, you found some time to do this because honestly, when I first thought about creating the podcast, uh, the profile that you have is exactly what the nature of this podcast was all about, right? Uh, conversing with people that not only in politics, but in any industry that have been working kind of, you know, in the background, in you know, the backstage. Yeah. And you have had quite a remarkable uh, career in the backstage of politics. Um, tell me a little bit about you, how this whole thing started. And, you know, we're not going to reveal any age over here. Uh, <laughs> that's not the purpose. Uh, 39, I'm sticking to that. Uh, perfect. Uh, but it is quite fascinating, um, your whole, um, uh, you know, the, the career that you've had uh, in politics. Tell me a little bit how that started for you. Well, believe it or not, I started off as a volunteer in the 1984 election campaign for Jerry Weiner, who was running in, uh, in uh, Montreal, not expected to win, but ended up winning as part of the Mulroney wave um, that brought him a majority government. Mm -hmm. And um, I was a, a law student at the time, and I found it fascinating. It was just an extraordinary experience to be involved in an election campaign. And so after the election, he gave me a part-time job as I was studying. And um, I worked in his constituency office and uh, I got the bug. I got the bug at that point. And unfortunately, the bug has never left me, <laughs> never left the system. Or fortunately. Well, maybe fortunately. <laughs> depends how you look at it. And so from there, um, I finished law school and I did my bar courses and went to work for Jerry Weiner in Ottawa after the uh, 1988 free trade election. Mm -hmm. And um, I was a policy advisor to him on citizenship, legal counsel. And uh, in the 1993 election, I was asked to run in the riding of Mount Royal. And uh, I knew I would lose. Tough, what I didn't know riding, yeah. would be the entire party would join me in that honor of losing because we were blown out of the water. At the end of the election, we were left with two seats, you may remember, mm -hmm. uh, Jean Chouet and Elsie Wayne. And um, from a majority government, we lacked party status. So that was the end of that particular chapter. Um, 13 years later, in 2006, I was asked to run again uh, in Mount Royal, and this time the Harper government came to power. Mm -hmm. And uh, although I lost in Mount Royal, I was asked to come to Ottawa's Chief of Staff to the Honourable Stockwell Day uh, in uh, the Ministry of uh, Public Safety, which was an extraordinary ride, you know, being responsible for the RCMP and CSIS. Mm -hmm. border services, correctional services, and the spies, don't forget the spies, um, every day was filled with challenge and excitement. And uh, that, uh, I was the chief of staff for five years, and then I went on to become the chief of staff to Joe Oliver during his first year um, as Minister of Natural Resources. Mm -hmm. And um, was asked by the Prime Minister's chief of staff at that time to really indoctrinate him because he had never been a member of parliament before. 
let alone a minister. And so um, I did that. And along the way, I've uh, I've run numerous times for Parliament. It's not easy being a Conservative here in Montreal. Yeah. But we're always hopeful of making history. And tell, so uh, maybe we'll do that this time. Tell me a little bit, uh, because, I mean, you did experience uh, and you worked, obviously, under the leadership of a phenomenal prime minister, right? I mean, we're talking about Brian Mulroney here. Uh, obviously, he's still alive and he's already recognized as one of the greater uh, prime ministers uh, in Canada. Uh, with, you know, with a, with a long history of you know, some of the most progressive advancements, uh, you know, with regards to the economy, you know, public finances, uh, international trade, and in general, just his very, you know, down-to-earth and human approach with people, which obviously explains why uh, he had such a huge number of MPs elected, you know, in the 80s, which has never been done before, uh, right. since, right? Right. Um, tell me a little bit about working under his leadership. Well, he had uh, an extraordinary amount of charisma and uh, leadership qualities uh, that allowed him to manage a large caucus. We had over 200 members at the time from all corners of the country, country, including Quebec. We had the vast majority of seats in Quebec. Yep, I think yep. we had about 69 seats right here in La Belle Province. So um, he had to exercise leadership to keep that caucus together. And he did a formidable job of that. Um, and he had some historic landmark policy initiatives that um, stirred a lot of controversy and a lot of debate in this country, including free trade. The original free trade yep. agreement mm -hmm. was a product of the Mulroney government. and. Um, in fact, the 1988 election was fought very uh, viciously on that particular issue, mm -hmm. you'll remember. Um, the GST, which we live with today, um, was very controversial at the mm -hmm. time, but he believed that we needed to um, generate that type of revenue. And although the Liberals uh, had to challenge us on that, they maintained it after they got elected. Yeah. And so he was a visionary in that regard as well. Um, he was a statesman on the world stage. He was well respected by world leaders and is to this day. Uh, you see, see him doing the eulogies for uh, President uh, George uh, Herbert uh, Bush uh, mm -hmm. recently. Mm -hmm. And he's, uh, he's on the boards of a lot of uh, major corporations around the world. So his legacy lives on and, and uh, he, he changed this, uh, this country fundamentally in ways uh, that were for the better. And he had a very important vision for this country, which lives on. How important were those values that he brought in to the party? Um, how, how important were they to kind of merging the two conservative factions? You know, there was the progressives and the reform. Uh, did that play at all, uh, his leadership, did, did that play at all into the, the, the fact that you needed to, to, to merge those two parties? You know, he did as I said, have extraordinary leadership qualities which um, united all factions of the party behind him in common cause mm -hmm. for the betterment of the country. Um, we can counter the hard realities of having to be a government. And when you are a government, you have to operate and work together. Mm -hmm. And I think members of the caucus at that time understood that. And uh, that uh, coalition, if you want to call it one, lasted for over nine years. You yeah. know, the man was elected in 1984, um, was re-elected in 1988 with another majority government, two consecutive majority governments, in fact. And uh, his government lasted until 1993 when he, he decided to step down. 
And throughout, there was never any major factions or fractions in the party, yeah. um, which caused any issue. Um, there was a lot of debate that went on in caucus, but um, caucus came out for the most part united, uh, standing behind the prime minister and his cabinet. And that's why we'll be able to get a lot of important initiatives through, um, which changed the country. Uh, all right, let's talk about uh, let's talk about the campaign. Yeah, uh, a sudden change in support uh, since the last French debate. We've seen the bloc kind of surge in support, which I don't think anybody was pretty much expecting. Um, that has completely shifted the focus and the strategy, both of the, the Liberal Party and the Conservative Party, which were both kind of depending on making gains, um, you know, in the province of Quebec. Uh, surprised. That this is happening, or oh, I think you have a fan over there is waving at you. Oh yes, there, there's a <laughs> constituent. How are you, sir? How are you? Nice to see you. Bonne journée à vous. Bonne journée Merci, à vous. Merci beaucoup. Vous allez à prendre un événement? Ouais, on fait une tournée, ouais. Oui. Très bien. Okay. Bonne journée. Très bien, merci. Well, you know, never, nothing ever surprises me anymore in an election campaign. You'll remember um, in 2015, uh, Justin Trudeau's Liberals were in third place third, yeah. at the beginning of the campaign. And lo and behold, by the end of the campaign, they emerged as the government. So, um, no, it doesn't surprise me that the Bloc has seen this surge of support. But I think what Quebecers need to recognize, and I think they will recognize, is that the Bloc obviously won't form a government. Mm-hmm. And if they want to have power in Ottawa, and if they want to make to make sure Quebec is well represented, then really they only have one alternative to the Liberals, and that's the Conservative Party. Because members of Parliament from Quebec sitting at the table and sitting in Parliament are the only ones who are able to be the agents of change mm-hmm. and uh, and to make sure that the aspirations of Quebecers are are respected. But that message isn't, doesn't seem to be resonating well. I mean, I, the, the support that Yves-François Blanchet is having, especially in the regions, uh, you know, I don't think they look at it at a strategic point like that, where they're saying, look, do we want uh, we want to elect someone in government? Do we want to elect someone that's going to care for our own uh, province and our own interests? And that's where he's getting a lot of momentum. Well, you know, it's, it's the latest fad of the election campaign, but um, I think when Canadians and uh, Quebecers go to the ballot box, they will think twice and they will recognize that um, the leader of the bloc uh, is just another member of parliament if, if he gets elected with, uh, with no power to affect any change. Mm-hmm. And that the Conservatives have uh, gone across the province, Alan Reyes, our lieutenant, to consult with Quebecers on what matters to them. And that will be translated into policy uh, when we are elected, yeah. into real policy. So, you know, we've talked about um, one tax return, you know, we're privileged in this province to have to do two, but mm-hmm. it would be nice to do one, taking off the GST off our hydro bills. Yeah, that seems to be popular, yeah. Very popular, but these are the concrete measures that Conservatives can introduce. The Bloc Québécois cannot do that. They can yell and they can scream and they can do all they like, but they will never form government and therefore they can't affect the chain kind of change the yeah. Quebecers are seeking. Yeah. They have one alternative uh, uh, in Quebec and that is to elect a Conservative government mm-hmm. to the Liberals. Let's talk about the platform. You mentioned some elements. What seems to be resonating well here with uh, with your residents? I mean, obviously you've had a lot of time you've been door to door you're pretty active yeah uh, what seems to be reaching out to your to your elector over here in terms of the the elements that you're proposing 
I think people, as our slogan said, feel it's time for them to get ahead. Um, at the end of the month, two thirds of Canadians are having problems paying their bills, which is a little discouraging. You know, if you ask yourself the question, am I better off today than I was four years ago? The majority of Canadians would say no. In fact, 80% of the middle class are paying higher taxes than we were four years ago. And that is suggestive of the fact that Mr. Trudeau is not taking uh, them seriously. You know, what is important is the promise that we're making tend to keep is to lower taxes so that on the average Canadian family have $850 more in their pockets. To restore some fundamental tax credits that the Liberals did away with, like public transit, for example. You know, you used to be able to claim that as a credit if you bought a bus pass. The Liberals, in their infinite wisdom, decided that they would do away for that. Sending your kids to fitness classes or, or cultural classes or being able to claim the credits for that cost are, are also something the average uh, middle-class Canadian family would like to have, and we're going to reintroduce that. Mm -hmm. um, and so these are the things that are important to Canadians, is that um, to be able to say at the end of the month, I'm able to pay my bills, I'm able to save a little money for my retirement, which is important. Another thing uh, I think is important is um, the fact that you know, people recognize that this Prime Minister, Mr. Trudeau, has let them down. Four years ago, he made all kinds of promises uh, about what he was going to do. In fact, you may remember, George, he said, uh, the budget will balance itself. Well, <laughs> I think... I, I uh, remember him saying that he would balance in 2019, and he, and he was off on that as well. Right? And well, yeah, finally he recognized that budgets don't balance themselves, and he said by this year it would be balanced. Well, I have news for you. Uh, this year we'll be running an approximately $20 billion deficit. And um, there's no hope in sight because they, they, the Liberals said if they get elected, they're going to continue to run deficits. And thereby mortgaging the future of our children and their children, and the list goes on. You know, you can't run a business by, yeah. by constantly having deficits. Look, it's, interesting, it's interesting that you bring this up because, yes, I mean, they're not, not even close to, to what the promise was in 2015, right? We're talking about a cumulative a deficit of $70 billion, and now we're looking at their plan that they're announcing now. We're talking, uh, there's an additional, should they get elected for another four years, yeah. uh, roughly 20 to $25 billion per year for right. the next four years. Right. Uh, it's a lot of money, obviously. But the question that every everyone is asking is, do people actually look at the public finances, or do they just care about receiving and having access to these services regardless of what it costs because I mean, i'm asking this because you've promised to balance the books within the next five years right um you've presented your platform uh just recently fully costed mm -hmm. uh you've been criticized obviously for uh, numerous cutbacks uh you know in, in the programs are you do, are you concerned at all should the conservatives get elected that you'll be criticized for taking away uh, from what they were given? Not at all, because we intend to maintain all essential services, maintain all essential services. And in fact, we will increase health and social services by at least 3% every year. These are the important uh, services that Canadians count upon. What we will eliminate in order to balance the books is corporate welfare. You know, there are large corporations getting an extraordinary amount of money from governments each year. And we can cut that, we believe, by $1.5 billion. We've also said that some of the richer countries that are getting our foreign aid, well, we're going to cut back on that by about 25%. And having been in government, George, I can tell you, 
there's a lot of waste in government. So we can cut back on the operations of government, um, less hospitality um, than we have right now, and thereby accomplish an extraordinary savings that we can put back in the pockets of Canadians without cutting any essential services. In fact, increasing essential services. We've announced $1.5 billion for new CAT scans and MRIs, which are, you know, here in Quebec, mm -hmm. we know how long we need to wait if we need to have an MRI or a CAT scan. Uh, we're going to put that into healthcare. So Canadians can be assured that under a conservative government, essential services will be maintained and in fact improved, but wasteful spending will be eliminated. You know, it's extraordinary that the Liberal government sends $250 million each year to the Asia Development Bank to, believe it or not, build roads and bridges in China. Well, George, before I think we crossed on Cote St. Luke Road, and did you see the kind of condition it was yeah. in? Yeah. You know, we need to start with the priorities of Canadians right here, right now, and eliminate the kind of spending that we've seen under the Liberals that has been what only can be considered as wasteful. If we eliminate that kind of spending, then we'll have enough money to balance that budget. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about the, the platform and the, you know, the, the, the costing that you, uh, that you made public, I think, a day after the last debate. Uh, coincidence? Or was that... Well, it was a Thanksgiving gift to all Canadians. <laughs> we wanted them to appreciate it during the full Thanksgiving weekend, and they did have an opportunity to do that. Now, well, what I will underscore to you... Sorry to interrupt, because yeah. the, the, the lines that seem to be sticking is the fact that you will be cutting down approximately uh, $50 billion, or at least you'll, you'll proceed to a more rigorous uh, public spending. So we're looking at around 50 billion. So they're pointing the finger and saying, well, why, you know, it's a little nefarious that you've presented this after the debate. Uh, was it because you wanted to avoid uh, being attacked on it or you didn't want to uh, have to justify these cutbacks? Not at all. In fact, I, I want to point out that the parliamentary budget officer mm -hmm. said uh, that we have the greatest certainty of accomplishing our goals through our plan than any other party. And our plan is fully costed, as opposed to the Liberals. They have not costed their entire plan. They, there's only parts of it they have, but there's others they've left out. So we're very proud of the plan that we put out, the, the platform, and Canadians have an opportunity to consider it and to take a look at what the alternatives, you know, we're the only party that is promising to balance that budget. The other ones don't even make a secret of the fact that they will continue to spend as drunken sailors in this country. There's no other way to describe it. Um, your money. You know, Justin Trudeau, who's a trust fund baby, has the audacity to spend $24,000 on a dock for his country residence. He spent $17,000 on his personal chef to be flown to India at a time when two-thirds of Canadians can't make ends meet. Now, what does that suggest about the Prime Minister? He's completely out of touch. You know, let him start spending his own money if he wants all of these things uh, in his life. He doesn't have to spend your money and my money to be able to buy them. I mean, that's simply wrong. And I think Canadians are starting to understand that. You know, this Prime Minister is consistently referred to his privileged upbringing. And, you know, it lives on as prime minister, but when you're prime minister of a country, you need to be a lot more responsible with the finances of the country. Canadians work very hard for their money and they want to make sure it's spent on their priorities, not his. Mm -hmm. um, 
let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about Quebec because it seems that you know we're a little under a week left, maybe six days uh, till the elections. Quebec seems to be occupying a lot of space, both for the Liberals and the Conservatives. Like we said, they they, they were both uh, counting on making gains uh, in these provinces. Of course, the Liberals to maintain the majority and the Conservatives to get elected. Um, the bloc seems to have surprised both those parties. Tell me how um, a party like the Conservative Party can deliver the message to the Quebec people, because Quebec is a very interesting province, right? I mean, we don't we don't have that much polarized ideologies in our political uh, fabric, in our political landscape over here. And, you know, you take an example like Alberta, which is consistently painted blue. When you think of Quebec, it's like a huge salad bowl. We're tossing it up <laughs> and then we're you know throwing it out on the plate and, oh, that's what we got. Right. And then the following election, let's put that back. Let's toss it up and yeah. see what we're going to get again. So it's always a toss up in Quebec. So how does the Conservative Party maintain its key messages for its base, which is out west, but at the same time reach uh, reach out to the population in Quebec that is so diverse uh, in, in their political orientation here? You know, so I'm, I think Quebecers share uh, the same values as all Canadians, that they um, they want to have a little bit more money in their pocket at the end of the day. And um, my message to them and the message of our leader has been, if you're fed up with the broken promises of the last 40 years, if you are appalled by the fact that the prime minister of this country, Mr. Trudeau, has broken the law on two occasions, not once, but twice, and disgraced himself in the eyes of the world, then there's one uh, leader who's ready to restore integrity to the office of the prime minister, and that's Andrew Scheer. In fact, he is the only one of the leaders who can replace uh, Mr. Trudeau as prime minister. And I think Quebecers, for the most part, are fed up with Mr. Trudeau. I think they read through him, you know. He is a fraud. You know, Mr. Scheer called him a fraud. He is a fraud because he promised a lot of things and he delivered on very few. You don't think that was a little harsh? I think he called him what he is. I think it's important to be painted, so to speak, um, with the brush that, that suggests exactly what he is. You know, he said he would lower taxes. In fact, taxes have gone up. He said he would balance the budget. In fact, we still have a deficit. And what will four more years of Mr. Trudeau mean? More promises and more lies. So. I think Quebecers understand that if they want a change in government, and I think they do, that there's really one only one viable alternative, and that is Mr. Scheer and the Conservatives. And, you know, Mr. Scheer has um, been here quite a bit. He's here today, as a matter of fact, in La Prairie, and um, he's listened and he's heard what what's on the minds of Quebecers, and he's prepared and ready to deliver for Quebec as he is for the rest of the country. So I'm very optimistic that Quebecers uh, will. Are, are an enlightened people and will see the light and, and understand that really there is only one alternative to Mr. Trudeau, and that's Mr. Scheer. You're running in a riding that uh, has seen its ups and downs. Uh, it came really close to passing to the NDP in the 2011 um, wave. Uh, but since then, I mean, pretty much the support for the Liberal Party has been ever present. Uh, I mean, I don't want to say it's a sure writing because I've done politics and you can never take anything for granted. Um, how do you convince the people in this writing uh, to support your platform and uh, to cross your name on the ballot? 
Well, what I like to tell uh, the people of NUG and Westmount is that um, there's a good prospect that uh, the Conservatives will form a government on October the 21st. And that if they want to have real power in Ottawa, then it's important to elect a member of parliament who will be sitting with the government on the government side. You know, opposition members um, have a very difficult task because they don't sit with the government and uh, it's very difficult for them to be heard. But when you're sitting on the government side or in fact you're a minister in a government, well, that's when you can really affect change for your constituents. So, you know, NDG Westmount is, uh, is, a, is a very diverse riding. It's one that um, has a lot of needs. And I've also been telling the people of NDG Westmount that I am sick and tired of politicians who refer them to other levels of government when they have a problem. You know, you'll have a problem with snow removal, and you'll call your member of parliament's office and he'll say, you know what, you have to call your city councillor for that. I'm not in charge of that. Well, you know what? You'll be able to call me on any issue you have. You have a problem with the roads, you call me and I'll call the mayor and I'll give her a piece of my mind and I'll try and affect change on your behalf. I will never say, sorry, that's not my responsibility. Politicians have to stop passing the buck and take that kind of duty seriously. And that's my message to the people of NDG Westmount. If you elect me as your member of parliament, I will be your advocate no matter what the government issue is. I am prepared to go to bat for you. Uh, a couple more days left. How do you feel? Um, any any projections? Any uh, uh, any guesses on what might happen within the next six days? Well, I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good. I think the message has uh, been successfully delivered to Canadians by by Mr. Shear um, during the debates and otherwise during his announcements. And I think now it's up to Canadians to reflect hard and long about about who they want to see as their government in Ottawa. And I have confidence in the Canadian people that they will ultimately make the right choice. You know, they, there's an expression, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame on you. And I think Canadians understand that perhaps they had certain hopes for this government that have been dashed and that uh, the prime minister himself has let Canadians down. And I think, you know, something I've been saying during my debates, if you um, were made head of an organization and you made all kinds of promises and you didn't keep those promises and instead you actually broke the law twice and then you went ahead and disgraced yourself in the eyes of the world, how long do you think it would be before you would be told, told to leave? Well, now Canadians have an opportunity to send that message to Mr. Trudeau that he's lost the moral authority to govern this country and he can't be taken seriously by world leaders. And they have an opportunity to say to him on October the 21st, enough is enough, your time is up. You didn't deliver. In fact, you broke the law and you disgraced yourself. And now it's time for someone else to take over the leadership of this country. And so that's a very important right that we have as Canadians to be able to vote. We only are afforded that right every four years or so. And I commend everybody to go out to the polls. A lot of people have already gone to the advanced polls to go out and deliver that message. And even here in Montreal, where the Liberals think that they can take uh, the vote for granted. Of course, they have such an extraordinary presence here, members of parliament, but maybe it's a time for Montreal to also deliver that message and say, you know what? We're sick and tired of the Liberals thinking that they can take our vote for granted. And, it's, and we'll demonstrate that by sending a message and electing some conservative members of parliament this time. 
you know, we're ready to serve. I'm ready to serve on behalf of the people of NDG Westman. I know my colleagues are as well. And we'll provide good government and we'll provide good representation. So don't be afraid to take that leap of faith because we're there for you. Neil, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, I know you're a busy man and just taking this, uh, this short little period of time out of your schedule. Um, I appreciate it very much. Good luck in this, uh, in this last stretch and uh, I'll be following closely. It's, it's going to be an interesting one. It will. George, <laughs> you have a hit show on your hands here. So <laughs> how could I not have taken time out of my schedule to be on this uh, highly rated show? I've, I've seen other episodes and I wish you well Thank in you everything so that you do. You do uh, an extraordinary service now to the voters as they can be introduced to some of their candidates in a very casual setting here as we drive through the riding. And so I appreciate you taking the time to come see me today. I appreciate it. Thank you.